0: Happy Sunday, everyone. Well, if you're at home by yourself, or whether you're watching over a Zoom call with your small group, or there with your family, a special welcome, a warm welcome, it's so good to be here coming to God's Word together. So let's pray as we come to God's Word. Lord God, we thank you that you speak to us through your Word, and by your Spirit, we thank you that you are not silent but you reach into our world. You reach into our world with all of the chaos, all of the fear, all of the trouble, all of the things that are unfolding, Lord. And we thank you that you know what we're going through and you speak to us in the midst of the mess and craziness of our world. Lord, we pray that we would be ready to hear what you have to say to us today through your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome to our series on Ephesians, God's Master Plan. And I'm so excited about this series. I have to admit that Ephesians is one of my sentimental favorite books of the Bible. Now, I know the whole Bible is God's word. Ephesians Uh, is is a very special book to me, but the whole Bible is God's word. And 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so because all scripture, all the Bible is God-breathed, I guess we really shouldn't have favourites. But if I did have to pick a favourite, Ephesians would be right up there. You know, I did my master's um, thesis in the book of Deuteronomy. And the book of Deuteronomy, I described kind of like a, a, a cup of black coffee. You know, it's an acquired taste. It's, you know, coffee, it's bitter, um, it's, uh, it's intense. And I don't know anyone who likes black coffee on their first try. And, you know, some books of the Bible are like that you think, whoa, I don't get this. And that's actually why I did my thesis on Deuteronomy because I was like, I totally don't get this book at all and I really want to understand it. I had to grow to love Deuteronomy. It's like coffee, an acquired taste. But I think Ephesians is like char siu bao. Char bao, everyone loves it on their first taste. It's love at first bite, right? And I think Ephesians is like that. It's just, it's an instant classic. And you know it's a classic and you know the moment you taste it like that, hot steaming mm, of char siu bao, the moment you taste it, you know, I know why this is a classic and why everyone loves it. And I think Ephesians is just like that. You know, I've got other reasons to love Ephesians. Um, I'm not sure if you know this, but Ephesians has a very special place in my heart. So I want to tell you a little bit about the story of why. It was when I was 15 as a a high school student um, growing up on the Gold Coast. And one Saturday morning, I don't know, the surf wasn't good or whatever, but I was just at home and I, I just picked up a Bible and I started reading the book of Ephesians. And that Saturday morning in 1993, as a year 10 student, now you all know how old I am, that Saturday morning, I read Ephesians and I finally got the gospel, the good news about Jesus and what it's all about. And it just, I'm sure I'd heard these things before, but it didn't make sense. And all of a sudden, wow, I was just hit by this amazing truth of God's love and grace in Jesus. And I'll tell you what I read. So I read Ephesians, um, just two verses of this that I read. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Wow, and it's in the past tense. God has already done this. I was like, wow. I read in Ephesians 2 verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. And as I read through this whole book of Ephesians, God touched me and God spoke to my heart. And I, that's when I first came to understand the amazing truth of the gospel for myself. So I hope that as we go through Ephesians, you will understand that amazing truth of the gospel for yourself. That God will touch your heart and open your eyes to see this amazing, amazing love and grace of God that's just spoken so clearly in this book. So to kick off our series in Ephesians today, I'm going to start to do two things. Firstly, I'm going to introduce the series. And secondly, I'm going to look at these first two verses just briefly. Have a look at these first two verses that open up the beginning of the book so firstly let's introduce the series of Ephesians i want to give you besides my personal experience uh, three reasons why i'm really excited about going through this book of Ephesians as a church Um, And especially in this time of huge challenge, personal challenge, social challenge, and challenge for us as a church family that we're going through with COVID-19. So three reasons. Um, Firstly, the mountaintop. Ephesians is like a mountaintop. And in one small book, only six chapters long, you get this expansive view of the whole marvellous plan of God. It's like Ephesians takes you up to the mountaintop like no other book and gives you the, the grand vistas of God's grace in Jesus. And you just see it. You're risen above everything and you just see this amazing landscape of the whole big picture of God's amazing plan in Jesus. And this is because unlike many of Paul's letters, the letter to the Ephesians wasn't written as a letter to a particular problem in a particular church, but it was written as a general letter. And so this letter would have gone not only to the Ephesian church, but to other churches around. And it was just being able to step back and look at the big picture of this mysterious eternal purpose of God and this master plan of God for life, the universe and everything. And so, this book gives us this amazing big picture. So put simply, if we were to break the book up into two halves, the first half, chapters 1 to 3, deal with understanding and celebrating God's gift of life in Christ. Marvelling at the glory of these universal truths of God's love, God's grace, and God's plan for breaking down the dividing walls of hostility and divisions that we see in the world around us and bringing everything together in unity, in perfect reconciliation and peace, peace with God and peace with others. And secondly, in the second half of the book, in chapters four to six, it's about living this new life, this gift of new life that we have in Jesus, living this transformed life. And how do we do that? And chapters 4 to 6 get really practical about um, having received and celebrated these amazing spiritual realities. We now look at how we enjoy these things and how we put them into practice in everyday life and in every area of life. It gets down to the nuts and bolts of um, things like uh, living as a family, living as a church, relationships with other people, um, marriage, work, all of these details of life and what it looks like for parents, for children, applying this message to every area of life. So that's the two halves of it, but the whole book fuses together with this spiritual truth and practical wisdom, um, and every part of it is both inspirational and transformational. So that's the first reason. You get up to the mountaintop and you see the grand big picture of God's mysterious plan, um, God's master plan. The second reason is because it's so simple and so clear. You know, uh, as, an, as an artist, we study design and um, in, in art there's a, a movement called minimalism and that's gone into design as well. And the theory of minimalism is less is more. Less is more, right? When you zoom in on just a single detail, you actually appreciate it more. If you remove all the clutter and just have something simple there, wow, you see the beauty of simplicity. And Ephesians pairs things down to this beautiful simplicity, just these six chapters where you really see the beauty of God's truth. It's like, you know, that just two leaves there sitting there in a, in a vase and you actually suddenly see the beauty of those leaves, the design, the intricate structure. It's like that with Ephesians. It pairs things down and you see the beautiful simplicity of those essential truths of the Christian faith. So that secondly, um, it's, it's so short and simple and clear it presents the gospel in crystal clear clarity that helps us to see it better. And the third reason is the mixtape, or if you're, you know, not as old as me, you're thinking about the playlist. Have you ever had like a playlist, a mixtape that someone's made for you, and then you realise, wow, that's better than the playlist I would have made for myself. I love every song on this on this track, every track on this this playlist, and. Even if I had have tried to choose all the top hits that just would have really nailed it, I couldn't have done it. This playlist nails it and I want this playlist. Have you ever had that kind of a moment with music? Well, it's like that with Ephesians. It, you, you come here and you think, wow, all of these profound truths packed in to this one kind of a, a playlist of theology. And some of, these, uh, some of these riffs you've probably heard before, some of them you feel like a strange sense of deja vu. I might not have heard this, but it just resonates with my soul. And so I want to read some of them out to you going through the book of Ephesians. You go to 2 verse 1, uh, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live verse 4 but because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ death to life 4 verse 1 live a life worthy of the calling you have received live a life worthy of the calling you've received 4 verse 3 keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace 4 verse 15 Speak the truth in love. 4 verse 22. Put off the old self. Put on the new self. 5 verse 2. Live a life of love just as Christ loved us. 5 verse 8. Once you were in darkness, now you are light. 5 verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. 6, verse 11 and 12. And this is at the end of the book, and it finishes with this famous call to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Ephesians is a spiritual fire lighting up the cold, dark night of our times and giving us warmth and light. Ephesians is a spiritual manifesto and a manual of how to live the life of love how to live a life transformed by the love of god a life liberated from the dangerous traps and the lies of our society and how to live this countercultural counterintuitive life of amazing grace purpose and peace in such troubled times So I hope I've got you hungry and excited for our series on Ephesians. So next, we're going to take a look at the gift of life in Christ from verses one to two of Ephesians. And I want to do this in three parts. First, look at Paul, the author. Second, look at uh, the Ephesians, the readers. And third, look at you and me. So first of all, Paul from Ephesians 1 and 2. Uh, Ephesians 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now Paul um, if you know if you don't know Paul's story, he started out, actually the last person on earth that you would ever think would have become a Christian. Paul hated Christians. He thought they were wrong. And he was going around arresting and even having Christians executed because he was so passionately opposed to them and thought they were wrong. But in Acts chapter 9, we read that Paul was on this journey with these orders to arrest more Christians in Damascus. And as he was on this road to Damascus, he saw this blinding light. And he heard this voice from heaven saying, Saul, Saul, which was his name at the time, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He fell down, he was blind, he couldn't see. Who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And from this amazing experience of ex- meeting the risen Lord Jesus, Paul changed his life around 180 degrees, and he became the most passionate uh, follower of Jesus, who was going around telling everyone about Jesus. And um, the artist Caravaggio has um, captured this uh his, I guess his artistic impression of, of Paul's um, Damascus Road uh, meeting of Jesus. Uh, it's called The Conversion on the Way to Damascus by Caravaggio in 1601. Um, oil on canvas. And you can see there Caravaggio has painted Paul fallen to the ground, um, witnessing this light from heaven, um, this and um, meeting Jesus in person, blown away Um by this uh, this meeting with Jesus, and so that's how we come to hear that Paul writes, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now that was a huge thing to say for a Jew like Paul. He's saying uh, an apostle of Christ Jesus. So Christ is means the Messiah, um, the the chosen King and Savior of God's. God's world, God's promised person who was promised down from ages past through the prophets uh, to come and save the world. And Paul's saying, yep, I'm convinced that Jesus is this one. And this uh, experience on the Damascus Road was what called him to be an apostle. Apostle just means someone who is sent from the Greek verb apostello, to send. And so he's saying, I'm someone sent from Jesus who is this Christ, this King. That's who I am. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. He sees that Jesus' mission is actually God's mission. Jesus is come here from God to bring us to God, to do God's work in the world. And so as we come to this, we see that Paul is saying, he has had his life completely turned around and he wants the Ephesians and us to have our lives completely turned around by Jesus. So let's go and look at the Ephesians now, the Ephesians. And what does Paul say to the Ephesians? He says, "...to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus." Now, if we look a bit of historical context on Ephesus, um, Paul went here on his um, missionary journeys. Um, He was going around telling everyone about Jesus. And if we zoom in here, you can see that Ephesus is in modern-day Turkey, uh, across the sea from Greece. And uh, Paul traveled there, and he spent three years there um, teaching and telling people about Jesus, trying to convince them that uh, Jesus is actually the Son of God come to save the world, that actually this may sound crazy, but this is real. And lots of people come to know Christ in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was the biggest city of that area. Uh, it was a very influential area, uh, a city, and it it had... Um, for example, the Temple of Artemis was there, which is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Here you see some of the columns of it. Uh, the columns were apparently six feet wide, um, and it was this huge, huge temple. And this uh, this temple was uh, actually um, famous throughout the region and comes up in Acts chapter 19, where... Um, Paul, because he's preaching about Jesus, and um, people are turning to Jesus and going, Oh, Jesus is the true God the idol crafters are actually really upset and they have this, uh, they organise this riot and in Acts chapter uh, 19, you can read about it, they go to um, this theatre, which we can still see there in Ephesus today, this huge theatre and they've got, this holds 25,000 people, um, so it's a, it's like a big stadium um, and they they get, uh, they're shouting because a people turning to Jesus is not good for the idol business, right? They carve idols, they make their living that way, and, um, and uh, they're not happy about it. So Paul like, eventually has to leave and move on because his, his life is in danger. But looking through Ephesus, you see it is a very big and impressive city. Uh, and I'll show you some pictures. You know, we'll go on a bit of a virtual tour of Ephesus. Um, this is still at that, the, the theatre. Uh, and this is the Library of Celsus, and this is the the streetway down from the theatre. And if you imagine um, walking along at that time, um, walking around the streets of Ephesus while there were these two conflicting worldviews going on, we see that actually we're not in such a different situation today. There are two conflicting worldviews that confront us, where there's a worldview, um, there are actually many different worldviews that confront us, but I guess mainly in contemporary Australia today, there's a secular worldview that says everything is material, it, um, there's no spiritual world. Um, and there's a worldview that says, well, actually God is real, uh, God exists. Uh, and I've actually experienced God through Jesus. People who have claimed to have a personal relationship with God. And I don't know where you are in your worldview, but it's good to consider this. Uh, and I encourage you to look into those, these things deeply and carefully. Um, when worldviews clash, we always have to ask those really deep questions. And this was, I guess, some, a, a connection point between Ephesians and us today. There's a real clash of worldviews. And what does Paul have to say to these people in Ephesus? He says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. For these people who were at that time very religious, Very spiritual people but seeking uh, seeking truth in the wrong places in these idols which could not help them at all. Paul gives them a message from God and it is a message of grace and peace. Now whatever your world view, I think you would agree that grace and peace are things that we desperately need in our world. But what does Paul mean by this grace and peace? Grace, this is a key word throughout the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be unpacking that in weeks to come. But it means that free gift, that free gift, that undeserved gift from God. And peace, it means more than just a kind of an absence of conflict here, but it means the fullness of God's blessing. It means that state of uh, fulfillment and satisfaction and knowing everything is right and good. And Paul is saying, we find this, this grace and peace, in the Lord Jesus. We find it in God's work for us through Christ. It's a free gift. It's not something that we can earn, you know. Typically, uh, our our human nature and and our our natural tendencies and and all of our religious efforts tend to focus on how can we be okay with God, how can we be right with God. They're about us trying to work our way to please God, or if, if you don't believe in God, it's working your way to get success, to get fulfillment, to get happiness. If I just get the best life hacks, if I find the killer app, if I do whatever I do, that's what's going to get me over the line and give me this, this peace that I'm looking for in my life. Give me this fulfillment, this satisfaction. But what Paul's saying here is that this is something we cannot earn and cannot achieve by ourselves. It's something that we get simply as this gift in Jesus. So I want to finish up by looking at you and me. And i finish up by telling you that I guess the rest of my story, as I sat in my bedroom that Saturday morning in 1993, and as I read this book of Ephesians... You see, I was someone who always thought, "I've, I've got to work harder. Maybe I'm not doing enough." I was the kid who uh, didn't care that everyone was calling me a nerd because I was going to work harder. And you know, I was the kid who got ducks of the school in primary school, and 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 I was the kid who then. Coming 15, realize that I can't keep living up to these expectations. I can't keep being perfect. Actually, when I look at myself, I thought I could tick off all the boxes and make everyone happy, but I can't. I thought I could do everything right, but I can't. And that's when this book was what God used to really speak to me and say, you don't have to do everything right. I know you can't do everything right, but... This gift of fulfillment, of satisfaction, this gift of real life, eternal life, this gift of forgiveness, of grace that Jesus gives, it's just a free gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it, but just accept it from me as a free gift. So I want to encourage you, would you accept that free gift? From God in Jesus. And if you're still thinking about that, then I invite you to join us for this series as we unpack this amazing book and explore the gift of life in Christ and God's master plan.